nor a great beauty, but I clung to her as the sole token of my previous life and lavished affection on her. Moreover, she was, or so I thought, mine and mine alone, and I presumed I had the right of her. This was not the case, however. Mr. Shin, taking me into his family, took the horse as part of the bargain, and used her at will without so much as a by my leave, as he had done that day. When I discovered this use, I protested. I also told Mr. Shin that I thought there was sufficient reason for him to get a horse of his own, so that Jumper could be rightfully returned to my exclusive charge. Only after listening to me with his usual grave silence did he speak. Thee are a full part of this family, he said. I am the head of it. It's wrong for thee to dispute such a thing. I persisted nonetheless, telling him that the horse was my sole inheritance, and that while I did not oppose his use, he should not deny my ownership. A horse will cost as much as ten pounds, he said. That we do not have. When we have the money, rather, if we have the money, I shall consider thy request. And that was all he said. There was nothing more I could do, though I confess I greatly resented what I thought was a putting off. That night, when I had gone to bed in the loft where I slept alone, I could not sleep. What with the fresh air, the sounds of spring, and my churning over the great matter of the horse, I lay awake, listening to the rising river, thinking of nothing but how I might get money enough so that I might have my horse back. As I lay, it was perhaps nine o'clock and Mr. Shin and his wife had retired, there was a great thumping on the front door. Mr. Shin! Mr. Shin! came an urgent call. Bolting from my bed, I looked out through the small loft window onto the yard. There, I saw five horses, four men in their saddles. The fifth man was presumably knocking on the door. Two of the riders I recognized, Isaac Waterford and Richard Paul, who carried a bright torch. I did not know the other two men. All had rifles in their hands. It was an unusual sight, made more unusual by the presence of the strangers. Knowing that something of importance must have occurred, I hastened to the loft ladder, climbed halfway down, and looked on. Mr. Shin, slowly tucking his blouse into his breeches, opened the door to a greatly excited Nathaniel Dempsey, a man I knew from the township. Mr. Dempsey was Mr. Shin's oath-taker, the one who administered legal oaths to people, since Mr. Shin's religion kept him from doing so. Mr. Shin, he cried, here's an alarm been given. For what? For whom? returned Mr. Shin, who refused to raise his voice no matter what the occasion or how provoked he became. A gentleman's come, Mr. Shin, a Mr. John Tolliver from Trenton, telling us about his escaped bondsman. Two escaped bondsmen. He thinks they may cross the river hereabouts. Escaped bondsman. It happened from time to time, and we were bound to know of it, because Mr. Shin lived so close to the river, which those who escaped often tried to cross. More important, as justice of the peace, Mr. Shin was obliged to know and render all assistance. Bondsmen, I should explain, were men, women, and even children who had been brought from England or Europe 
under contract for their labor. Some were apprentices. Some were indentured servants or redemptionists, while others were transported felons. All were obliged to work for periods of time by those who owned their labor, after which time, if they still lived, they were set free. But often, they would attempt to free themselves. The Delaware River being a boundary between Jersey and Pennsylvania, it was a line many of them sought to cross. If they were caught and returned to their rightful masters, those who caught them would get a good reward, sometimes in hard coin, for bondsmen were of great value. If they're heading east and way, continued Nathaniel Dempsey, they might well come hereabouts. Does thee know if they had a horse? asked Mr. Shin. I don't think so. You'd best speak to the gentleman yourself, said Dempsey, gesturing toward one of the strangers.